Cantony Cozia and Cut, produced and presented by Andromachus of Ocleus and Kemal by Kalim. Guess what? In this last episode, we discussed the latest developments in the presidential elections in the Republic of Cyprus, the lifting of U.S. arms embargo, and the latest developments in the north, how the Turkish Cypriots are still resisting against the feta complis made by AK Party government in Turkey. Welcome to Nicosia Ankat. Hello, Andromahi. Hello, Kemal. How are you? It's been a while. <laughs> yes, yes, it's been a while, uh, but uh, we still have um, a full agenda. And uh, let's start with, uh, with the elections in the Republic of Cyprus, the presidential elections. Yes, I know that there is a campaign, but I don't see a big enthusiasm, uh, to be honest. I would say there is nothing really <laughs> going on. It is kind of mind-blowing how we have been uh, thrown into this uh, election period for at least six months now. Um, and yet we have not discussed politics, we have not discussed you know, great ideas, ideas, the issues, proposals, right? issues. We don't discuss issues. We discuss uh, petty matters that appear uh, on a weekly cycle, let's say. They take up a bit of our attention depending on the issue and then we let them go and then we proceed with the, sec with the next item on the agenda. It kind of, it lacks depth, it, ca it is not profound, there is no substantial political dialogue uh, on the island and um, and and that is kind of 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 heartbreaking let's say when one considers the great issues with which Cyprus and the Cypriots are actually faced not only regarding their daily lives but regarding geopolitical issues the, the Cyprus problem energy there are so many aspects and issues that should be discussed, and uh, we we get to discuss, you know, I don't know, random text please, messages. <laughs> please, please remind us the date of the elections for our listeners. The elections uh, are on the fifth of February. Yes, it's a two-round election. I think it's the fifth and the twelfth of February. Right, uh, so a week we later. still have, yeah, it's a week later. So we still have many months to go, and um, one has already noted that. Currently, in fact, you have the each each major candidate, let's say, or each candidate, because not only the major candidates but also other candidates. Each of the candidates, uh, they have their own dilemmas and their own milestones at this time. And if you want, let's we can break it down a bit. For instance, you have Mr. Averov Nofidu. He's the party leader, the the leader of the major party. Uh, the Democratic Rally, and it appears that he's in a position in which his party is immensely divided. In a latest poll on Alpha that appeared on Alpha TV on the 21st of September, it emerged that Mr. Christodoulidis holds uh, the reign with uh, 34%, and 53% of DC voters, they said they would vote for Christodoulidis. So that's that's kind of big. <laughs> and it's uh, I think it is in line with this general trend in Europe where uh, historically known big parties 
are losing their steam and that new candidates, new faces, new parties appear. In this particular case, in Cyprus, it's not a new party, but it's a new face. I don't know how new Which is not a f- he a could new be face. considered <laughs> as, but okay, uh, let's say that he's, uh, he's not as old as the other <laughs> candidates, age-wise. No, I, I think one could term it as the Cypriot paradox, let's say, because I, I agree with you, there is a, a trend... Uh, let's say in Europe uh, for uh, for for this move away from political parties from for this move away from the establishment, but at the same time, it, it is kind of mind blowing. Let's say that the the candidate that appears to have this reputation today in the Cypriot elections uh, is a candidate that was for nine years in the current government. He was uh, the most trusted uh, person next to President Anastasiadis. And uh, and while he refrains, he absolutely refrains from criticizing the Anastasiadis government in any way, aside from uh, generalizations, at the, at the same time, he manages not only to have won the support of political parties in the opposition that used to accuse the government uh, of a myriad of issues, but at the same time, he has managed to present himself as uh, the face of change. That yeah, it's quite interesting in the sense mm-hmm. that um, Andromache is that not only that he's trying to smile and uh, get credits from from each and every direction it's also that you reminded our listeners last time that um, they he doesn't have very strong positions on issues yes he has he's now in the in the process of releasing his uh, presidential proposals I have gone over them. I must say that they are kind of generic. I mean, it's like headings or or ideas. But at the same time, we need to stress that he does enjoy uh, overwhelming public support uh, that is evident not only in the polls, but you can see it in the way that his followers are sort of acting. Nikos Christodoulidis has made a number of mistakes, and yet it, it seems that he's not uh, losing steam and that he's not hurt by them. And uh, I'm sure you have followed. I don't want us to touch a lot on the issue because I think that uh, uh, from a point and on, is it kind of... Um, limits political dialogue to gossip and I don't like it so but just briefly to say because it was an issue that came to the headlines there were these revelations by the Politis newspaper in which a former uh, associate let's say of Mr. Uh, Nikos Christodoulidis started releasing a series of uh, of screenshots uh, from private conversations between the two in which Mr. Christodoulidis amongst others he was uh, talking about the creation of fake accounts on social media he was uh, sort of getting this associate to spread rumors against journalists that were uh, um, criticizing him. This was the part that I agree lies within the realm of public interest and I mean it was good to actually see it and discuss it but then a number of other revelations um, followed which were basically simply screenshots of discussions and I think that that kind of missed the point. So let's focus on the initial revelations. So 
a number of issues arose from there. On the one hand, the issue of fake profiles. I think we all know that there are fake uh, party accounts on all social media. And anyone who claims that uh, they are not aware of this, well, they must be living in a bubble. The interesting thing about the Christodoulidis case, though, is that he was caught kind of micromanaging. I mean, the candidate actually... Uh, being the one to give the directions as to what kind of picture would be used on a fake profile, that kind of goes <laughs> a bit far. <laughs> well, I am not really surprised because I remember back in Crown Montana days, he was personally sending messages to each and every journalist because we were in Crown Montana, you and I, and then we were surrounded by friends and journalists and, you know, and I remember, like, he was sparing time to connect with each and every journalist separately. It, like, he was literally micromanaging the entire communications. Yes. and So the, that should be his style. Yes, and, 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 and his commitment in this sort of context is kind of impressive. And having said that, of course, uh, the C that is now accusing him of all this, they knew <laughs> what he was doing back in the Cramontana days, and they knew what he was doing while he was the Minister of Foreign Affairs. But... <laughs> as long as he was doing it in order to kind of safeguard the the government's rhetoric, that was okay. When things changed, you know, you see the <laughs> seat today castigating him. And they should castigate him, uh, especially about the issue of him spreading false accusations against, uh, of trying to spread false accusations against journalists that uh, um, were sort of accusing him. For instance, there was this this instance in which he, he suggested that um, that the journalist uh, had been paid in the 2004 referendum. And, and, and just to make a note here, so these screenshots were released by this former associate and Mr. Christodoulidis, because we are discussing them as though they are, they are real and not fake. And just to clarify here, Mr. Christodoulidis did apologize to one of the journalists that appeared on the messages. So we had that sort of indirect admission that the, the the screenshots are true, but we need to know that to note that since then, Christodoulidis and all the people around him refused to discuss the issue. And not only that, but in all the recent rallies, he keeps insisting that there was a war, that there is a war against him, and that they tried to sort of uh, uh, change the tide. Having said well, this, there might be a war against him. <laughs> But when you are caught trying to spread those false accusations against journalists, the least you can do is apologize or at least acknowledge that you did a mistake, no? You see, we, we discussed this in our previous episodes that if a, there is a leading candidate, all other candidates will start attacking that candidate and will try to score um, points. And uh, at one point, of course, the leading candidate would probably turn it into a, 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 you know, show himself as a victim and then will try to get some sympathy points uh, despite those attacks. But um, I was actually wondering about Mavroyanis because, you know, um, he is the candidate of the main opposition party. And then after such a tiring uh, leadership of Anastasiadis, one would expect uh, the candidate of the opposition party should 
you know, would really um, score some points and then would be, you know, uh, leading the, the, the discussion. But this is not necessarily the case, or is it? No, you are absolutely right. And not only is, is this not the case, but uh, Mr. Mavroyanis is also having difficulty to rally the people of Aigel around him. So that's an issue for Aigel. Mr. Mavroyanis will release his proposals on the 4th of October. We are waiting to see them. Uh, the, the, it is being said that a lot of work was done on, on them. <laughs> Having seen the proposals by the Christodoulidis uh, group, I'm not very hopeful. Not, I, I don't want to compare them, but in fact, I want to compare them as to how specific each uh, proposal is. I mean, how targeted they are with what uh, milestones or plans, uh, um, if there are any such plans, I mean, associated with the proposals, because it is a very easy thing to be throwing in ideas, but you need to be able to substantiate them. So I'm waiting to see that. I believe that Mr. Mavroyanis has missed a lot a number of opportunities to hit against uh, uh, his opponents and in particular the DC leader Mr. Averov Neofitu uh, because for instance uh, at some point Mr. Averov Neofitu in a move that sparked a lot of reaction he, he basically suggested that there should be a constitutional reform in Cyprus that should include appointing by election a, a Greek Cypriot vice president he he then changed this to a Greek Cypriot uh, deputy president, and then he 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 changed this again, and then he said, "Okay, let's drop the names," and then they just forgot <laughs> the suggestion. <laughs> it was it was the, the the turn of Mr. Averov for a gaffe, and I think yes. he kind of exposed their their sort of panic because he he seems to be in a panic in these elections. Going back to Mr. Mavroyanis to close the issue, I think the major uh, issue for Mr. Mavroyanis now is on the one hand to rally the voters of Aguil around him and on the other hand to prove that he should be chosen uh, by the people that understand as a worst-case scenario the possibility of having two, two people in the second round that actively participated in the 10 years of the Anastasiadis government. This is where Mr. Mavroyanis is failing. He's failing of capitalizing on the absolute uh, lack of, of, of hope, let's say, that exists on the island at the moment. Uh, the Anastasiadis government has a lot of... of uh, it has... It has led to a number of fait accompli that are not uh, positive for the country or its future. People on the island can feel it, but Mr. Mavroyanis has not proved that he can be the option for them. And this is uh, his major uh, basically goal, I would say, in the run-up to the elections, especially because he there is another a number of other candidates, the independent candidates, that are also vying for that for that vote. Interestingly, Akel knew that um, Akel voters alone wouldn't be enough for them. And um, so they wanted to get votes from the center and from the right as well. And eventually, I think they're not getting from either. So, um, or maybe oh. they are getting some, but not as much as they wanted. You know, Kemal, I think that Akel believed, and I don't know if they still believe it, but I believe that they believed that 
the voters would come at a point where they would say, okay, it is good to vote for something else and for something different. But at the end of the day, you know, in presidential elections, it's all about strategy. It's all about, you know, casting your vote strategically in order in order to accomplish what you oh, set as your goal for the for those elections. And I think that Akel is uh, counting on that, on this issue. We will see. And then we have the remaining four candidates who are acting together, um, sending social media pictures of them having dinners together. And what's the deal? Well, there is this proposal on the table. They are discussing it. Um, they they did uh, issue a common announcement, a common statement in which they do say that they are investigating the possibility. Mr. Christofidis even revealed that uh, they are basically going to... Um, uh, appoint someone to conduct a survey poll in order to see uh, basically between them who would be the most suitable candidate to proceed. Evidently, it, it comes down to being between Mr. Achilleas Dimitriadis and Mr. Kostandinos Christofidis, the former uh, University of Cyprus rector. I believe that both Mr. Dimitriadis and Mr. Christofidis want to be the chosen one. I believe that from the other two, Mr. Protopapas and Mr. Iliadis, they are they would accuse to stepping back in order to get into this uh, coalition. Having said this, I'm not very hopeful as to whether they are going to agree on on one name. I believe that both these two candidates, uh, Christofidis and Dimitriadis, they have come such a long way that it would be difficult for them to accept that one of the two will have to step down. At the same time, I'm personally of the opinion that we are tormented by the apolitical and a decision for the four of them to join forces, in my opinion, and I know that it is an opinion that not many people agree with, in my opinion, it would be an apolitical move. Because you are bringing together four people that have not a political depth or political basis or ground on which uh, one can count before casting their vote in their favor if they agree to uh, colleagues. So what I'm trying to say is that one might be, let's say, interested in a single candidate, but then for coming together, it creates this amalgamation that it is inherently apolitical because there is no substance, you know, behind this match. And I'm going to give one example. For instance, you have Mr. Achilles Dimitriadis who endorses the Guterres framework. And then on the other hand, you have Mr. Kostandinos Christofidis who is in favor of a bi-zonal, bicommunal federation. He has been speaking in favor of a solution, but stated that he's against the rotating presidency. So how can this to candidates, let's say, join forces. How can they discuss all these issues? Can they discuss all well, these issues? To, to be devil's advocate, I think not everybody is an, as uh, enthusiastic as we are about Cyprus problems. So probably the differences on that uh, front wouldn't be a big issue for them. I think the thing that will unite them would probably be the fact that uh, they would propose uh, their own candidate if there will be one. A, a, a non-systemic candidate and maybe a little bit of a, a, a candidate which is probably carrying more integrity. And uh, I think in this in this uh, in this elections probably that would be 
uh, something um, enough uh, for either uh, of, of those candidates. And because, you know, in our previous um, episode, we discussed how the Cyprus problem and what happened in Crown Montana was an issue, but then I think it faded down uh, slowly. And then, as you rightly pointed out, you know, there are not big discussion points at the moment. Yes, you are right here. And even though I believe that even the if the four of them merge, they are still not going to be able to gain more than the sum of what they individually get at the moment. So what I'm trying to say is that I don't see a momentum being, be able, being able to be built because what I said before about the lack of political substance. But we must say that we should be grateful to the independents because they have really raised the level of civic discourse at the moment. They are the only ones that are putting ideas on the table. Mr. Achilles Dimitriadis is doing, a, I must say, he's doing a proper campaign like a, a major candidate in the sense that uh, he has tabled positions, he has appeared in many interviews, they are going around Cyprus on their bus. I mean, we need to be, um, you know, we need to be fair with them and they are doing a lot of work and I would dare to say that Mr. Achilles Dimitriadis could even be included as the four major candidates, let's say, not in terms of his um, polling, because in the polls he doesn't get anything more than 3.5%. In fact, in the last uh, poll in, on Alpha TV, it was a 3.7%. But in terms of, of how uh, much he has progressed with the ideas and the, and the ideas he has brought on the table. Well, he might not really be a real contender, or he might not be making the making it to the second round but um, if he portrays himself as a, as, as a you know an important candidate even with a small percentage of what I think he might have a political future you know to, to play uh, um, you know he might have a political future eventually um, let's talk about a bit of what's going on with this uh, international politics that the Americans have decided to drop the embargoes, the arm embargoes against the Republic of Cyprus, and it became a, a big issue, um, especially within the Turkish Cypriot and Turkish uh, press. What would you like to say about it? Well, yes, just to give a bit of a background, uh, in this, since 1987, the, um, the, there has been an, uh, an arms embargo on Cyprus you know, imposed by the United States. That uh, embargo was partially lifted in 2020 when the United States um, agreed to uh, start selling non-lethal weapons to Cyprus. And they did it because Cyprus was basically uh, faced with a number of uh, requirements from the United States, which was basically on the one hand to uh, take uh, direct action against Russian uh, and international money laundering in Cyprus. And the second one was uh, for Cyprus to stop hosting um, uh, Russian vessels uh, in its ports. Uh, Cyprus was ha- had done a lot of work on the issue of money laundering uh, before, but uh, Nicosia had refused to stop serving uh, Russian humanitarian vessels, they were saying, in their ports. And uh, hence, uh, uh, 
the U.S. had proceeded in the in in 2020 to lift the non-lethal weapons uh, embargo in an attempt to kind of lure. Uh, uh, Cyprus into accepting to uh, finalize its uh, the requirements set by the United States in order to be able to proceed to a complete uh, lifting of uh, the arms embargo. And in fact, uh, Cyprus's decision was uh, basically forced upon it uh, after the Russian invasion against Ukraine. And since then, uh, Cyprus stopped serving uh, Russian vessels in its ports. And uh, um, just a few days ago, the the decision came by the U.S. to lift uh, its embargo on defense weapons. So Cyprus will now be able to get defense weapons, a detail that was in fact missing from uh, most of the coverage. And in fact, it is not a complete lifting of the embargo. It is the lifting of uh, the embargo for one year, and it's going to be reviewed on an annual basis. So basically what the U.S. said to Cyprus is that they are going to be checking that it continues to comply with the requirements in order for it to be able to continue to have access to defense uh, articles uh, from the U.S. So we have elections in Cyprus. But also in Turkey and in Greece in, um, soon in 2023. And uh, especially because of the Turkish elections, we, can, we, we see um, Turkey is actually um, using a very harsh narrative against uh, Greece nowadays. And of course, getting a response from uh, Greece in return. And it's um, so this is creating. A nationalistic feeling, um, especially um, among the waters, and um, and the latest decision of the of this particular decision, of course, has been used by the nationalistic circles, and um, they are trying to prove that um, you know everybody is now um, against Turkey. The, the world is, you know, we, you, you have to choose a strong leader to fight it, and, you know, the, the, the typical narrative. And, um, and of course, um, the same reaction came to um, the Turkish Cypriot uh, peace supporters in the north. Like, oh, whenever something happens, you shout and this and that. Why don't you protest against this uh, action and because the Americans are now selling um, arms to... The Greek Cypriots, why don't you prove your worthiness and this and that? And uh, of course, every time there is a nationalistic development, um, the bicommunal <laughs> groups, they always come under attack from either side. I remember when Turkey entered into Syria, how the Greek Cypriots were trying to, you know, attack the the by communal group saying that why don't you protest why don't you say anything about turkey and all that and this is a never ending story because you know there it's it's a it's a by communal peace movement and then you are always affected by any development that's coming from either side personally i don't think that we are bound to prove anything to anybody because i think the consistency of the actions of the the bicommunal um, the movement and peace movement is there for ones who wants to see. And at the end of the day, it's always interesting how all these people they call for you to act, and they don't understand that one. You know, the, whatever one 
whatever we do, we do it by our own means, you know, th while we do our actual jobs, while we have our, uh, you know, personal lives as well. And uh, people ask you to take a position or to step up as though we are kind of paid by it or as though we are political parties. Yeah, that they want to, to send you to the... <laughs> they, they want to send you to the, the front... <laughs> And while they're comfortably sitting in their chairs and then writing uh, flame flames on their social media accounts, flaming uh, one side or uh, the other, and they're expecting you to go and, you know, um, commit suicide or, you know, jump on the, the I don't know, <laughs> something on the front and fight for, 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 for a cause that uh, they don't even believe. Um, coming back to this embargo, how will this um, affect the Russian-Greek Cypriot relations? Because historically, they're you know they're supposedly sacred. I think we can safely say that uh, Cyprus has finally been uh, been forced to decide, and uh, I think it has chosen. Um, it was forced to choose, to be honest, and they were <laughs> Cyprus was dragging its feet for too long, and it was resisting all pressure, and uh, finally the last castles uh, fell. Of course, you know Russian influence on the island is still immense. You hear stories of companies that used to be Russian and now are supposedly in other countries as hands, but not really. You know, I mean, you hear a lot of stories about how the Russian capital has stayed. Well, it, it is true that Russians have good, good relations with the extremist movements in Europe, with the French right wing and with, um, you know, with how they contributed into Trump's campaign. We know from uh, Drushoti's books, you know, one might take it with a bit of salt, or, you know, take it all together, but, you know, how they're trying to use their influence in the Cyprus problem. But at the end of the day, um, the, the media is still, you know, seeing Mother Russia as uh, an important ally when it comes to the Cyprus problem. Yeah, you know, uh, th there was this talk at some point uh, about uh, the Russia, the direct flights uh, from Russia to the north. And I think that there is... It has already started that the Greek Cypriots are kind of getting ready to be faced with a possible change in Russia's approach in certain issues. It is not that they are going to change their position in the Security Council, let's say, now, but they might be, they might choose, and I believe they will choose to send these uh, signals to uh, the Republic of Cyprus that you know you are you are making a choice, but we will also make a choice. So I think we're gonna start seeing that even more clearly. Anyone who 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 is aware of what happens in the north as well, we know that there is a lot of Russian capital flowing in the north. So we already know that. So I believe that the Greek Cypriots they will soon be faced with a different reality in terms of their relations uh, to Russia, to be honest. What do you think of this whole talk about Russia and the North? And Well, we have Russians, definitely, um, especially in the, you know, uh, Trigoma area, um, Karpaz area, uh, investing um, in big chunks and uh, in Kyrenia and all that. But uh, I think this, um, what Putin did 
by starting war in Ukraine um, is going to have uh, very bitter consequences for Russia eventually. I mean, yes, uh, Russia is a still a nuclear power, still it's a big country, psychological power, this and that. But I think not only in Cyprus, in north and south, I mean, or east and west, everywhere in the world it is now facing the consequences. And I think the fact that Europe is trying to be less dependent on the Russian gas and um, it's just one of the outcomes of this. And um, I don't think that um, this Russian-Turkish relationship will be sustainable, especially um, with what Putin will be facing at home, I think, and with the elections coming and if there will be a change of power in Turkey this way or another, I don't think that it's going to be sustainable. So somehow Russia, I think, is going to slowly, slowly lose its control on the island. Um, now island, and probably the EU will, you know, continue to have even a, a higher, an upper hand. And of course, if the EU will play its cards correctly, and we know that the that foreign policy is not EU's uh, strengths, one of one of its strengths. So we'll see how things happen. But I don't think that there will be uh, a recognition. I don't think that there will be um, an upgrade of the status. Um, yes, there will be uh, Russians. Uh, in, in There are Russians and there will be Russians in the north. But not only, because um, we know that uh, there are many players who are looking for an area which is not part of the international system which is north. And um, in the long run, this is not good for Cyprus at all. I mean, one would say that, yeah, it's okay, we can, you know, north is gone anyway, we can build a big wall and they can do whatever they want. But I, but Cyprus being so small and the world is getting smaller, I don't think that one can comfortably ignore what's going on in the north, um, especially if the trend is going to continue like this. And um, actually on that, I have uh, followed your interview in uh, Voice Cyprus um, in two languages, in Turkish and in Greek, um, which uh, you actually mentioned that Turkish Cypriots are very important for the future of Cyprus and for Republic of Cyprus, and Cyprus should make openings. I mean, we, you, you mentioned this in your previous uh, podcasts anyway, but I've seen that people have been responding very positively the, the logical, reasonable Greek Cypriots actually uh, supported this, and many Turkish Cypriots felt that, you know, for the first time uh, after a long time, a Greek Cypriot um, persona <laughs> actually talks about the necessity to keep the Turkish Cypriots uh, in, uh, in in the Republic of Cyprus. For me, the most important thing about that interview was the ability to... Uh to talk to the Turkish Cypriots, to be honest, to send a message to the Turkish Cypriots. I have, I am writing in the Greek Cypriot present. I always try to raise the issues that I raised in the interview, but that interview, uh, I, I think it is important for the Turkish Cypriots to know that there are people in the Greek Cypriot community that are, that are fighting for their own rights as well, or at least that they try to, because this is all that uh, I, I personally try to do and we... <laughs> It's, you know, yes. to incorporate into our civic discourse the perspective of the Turkish Cypriots in our civic discourse when we take decisions. And for me, it is very important to understand that 
from now on and with an unsolved Cyprus problem, things will constantly be changing and that Cyprus will be faced with a number of crises, small or big, and the, the response of Cyprus and of the Republic of Cyprus or of each community in a sense uh, to those crises it will always be having an impact on the Cyprus problem as well. Like, for instance, in the case of the of the migration issue, the politicians currently they have chosen to uh, inc- to impose barbed wires. The Greek Cypriot politicians are imposing barbed wires, and I was seeing the protests of the residents on the buffer zone the other day, and I was thinking how sad it is that this is basically what the Anastasiadis government is leaving behind when it comes to the Cyprus problem, barbed wires. And for me, that interview was... And and everything we do, Kemal, in a sense, is basically an attempt to infiltrate the barbed wires to to be removing pieces of these walls that are being um, erected around us. And I must say, I did receive a number of messages by Turkish Cypriots, and for me, that's all that matters, basically. You know, this is not only a moral obligation or or a, or an ethical position or an ideological uh, perspective. It, this is also a practical um, and pragmatic um, attempt to avoid a future crisis for our country as a whole. Um, and talking about crisis um, in the north, there was a big protest under Omahi um, yesterday. Yes, tell us. Well, you know that there were discussions about opening Varosha um when things started and then uh, when after uh, Mr. Akonji lost the elections, er, uh, Erdogan government, um, Turkey decided to reshape the politics in North. They had enough of <laughs> us whining and complaining and choosing inappropriate candidates according <laughs> to them. So um, one of the things that Mr. Erdogan was talking about was saying that, oh, I came here and I saw that, uh, you know, TRNC needs a... Uh, a bigger palace for the president. So he decided that a big palace is needed. And of course, our politicians, right-wing politicians, jump onto it. The problem is that we have many other needs, health, infrastructure, you name it. And a, a big palace is not a priority. We find it unnecessary. We find it um, a show-off. But more than that, the fact that the idea came from um, from Mr. Erdogan from Turkey and then us as Turkish Cypriots, you know, did not have a say in this. And then we, our politicians who are loyal to um, Mr. Erdogan, like Mr. Tatar, jump onto it like UBP, is, it, it, it is creating a, a sense of anger. We might be needing a new establishment or not, but it should be us to decide based on our budgetary priorities and not that we are spending millions on something um, a show of a big building um, then you know all of our um, establishments are falling apart institutions or or hospitals or schools so this was one reaction that people have been really um, protesting because we are feeling that this is pushed through our throat and uh, just near the um, Iostometeos, Metehan, um, Metehan roundabout in the north, just next to it, which was actually a military area, a few days ago, the big uh, machines went into it and started to clear the ground and cut the trees. 
and this created a big anger because uh, they co- they call this campus in Turkey külliye. It's an old Arabic word which reminds people of an Islamic campus, if you like, um, which is not necessary. It doesn't have to be Islamic, but you know it is a symbol for for AK Party government trying to set up a new system in the north through their buildings and that. So yesterday, a number of political parties and and groups, they marched to the place and they actually started protesting. So, of course, the difference is that in the past, when somebody was interfering in the will of the Turkish Cypriots, people people were walking on the streets and shouting and they were going home. But now there's a target, there's a physical ground. So... I, I, I sense that, you know, that can draw a lot of protests and that will be the case. Like um, six left parties and movements, uh, TKP, TDP, JTP, um, the left movement, the socialists, the communists, the, you know, everybody, they made an open joint call uh, yesterday for an open discussion in North so I think that's that's the first time after a very long time that all these parties are coming together to discuss what to do. I'm not expecting, you know, a big, um, let's say, a revolutionary movement out of this, if if I may. But it shows that, um, you know, people in the north are trying. They are trying to, to, to resist this intervention into their will, despite everything, despite that Mr. Tatar is in power, and UBP is in power, Erdogan is in power, but people are still still trying, trying their best uh, to do something about it. So this is the one development. The other development, a, a common, a familiar face, uh, a friend, if uh, I, I may, uh, Andreas Sujis, uh, some people uh, know him as a Suvlamen because um, the guy is, a, you know, um, he loves taking his kebab everywhere, you know, <laughs> uh, and uh, wherever he goes, he makes Suvlas. And um, he was arrested in the north because he forgot uh, a walkie-talkie and he has an electronics shop in Limassol. And it, everything, the whole saga started with this. And then after a few days, when they stop him next time he enters and they arrested him, they found, supposedly they found some maps, they found some, you know, photos, this and that. And again, poor guy, he was portrayed as a, as a spy, not only in, in the Turkish Cypriot press, but also in Turkey. Oh, big spy was, was arrested and there was, a, you know, everybody was so frightened. You know, uh, eventually, uh, I, 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 to cut the long story short, short, um, there was a decision um, two days ago to, you know, a, a one month uh, of 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 uh, jail time uh, for uh, taking photos in the military areas. So they, this is the only thing that they found. And when they say military areas, basically, the, when the the people were, you know, the you know that Varosha is now partly open, the, the fenced town, and then people went there and took some photos. You can find them everywhere. And that's the stupidity of it, because certain parts are still considered military areas. So, you know, the judge said eventually that, you know, poor guy, um, he said, oh, I, you know, we discovered that the photos were harmless, but because it was taken in the military area, 
um, he got one month. And because he already spent one one month in almost one month in in the prison, he will be released in in, in a few days. But that shows how vulnerable we are to to such you know incidents because we have people crossing daily and we don't have an established you know arrangement two sides do not recognize each other yes there are technical committees but we are so vulnerable to such incidents and especially the nationalists would probably want to use it and to to create even uh, a bigger headache so i personally attended to almost all uh, hearings. I think he had uh, five or six hearings for the walkie-talkies, why he was, um, you know, why this was an issue, because in the North, you need a license to use a, a radio equipment. And um, so he got, he only got a warning. So because they couldn't find anything, they just uh, resorted to the old photos that, which were taken a few months ago. Yeah, that's the summary of it. And, uh, but... Um, the good thing is that uh, that uh, Turkish Cypriots, uh, not in big numbers, but you know they, and also Greek Cypriots, they went uh, to his uh, court hearings, and uh, they supported him. They showed solidarity, and I think that was uh, also a, a positive moment to to see that people, uh, although in you know small numbers, because the hearings were generally in, during the day, went there to support him and show solidarity. That's generally. The latest from uh, the north and Romahi. No, thank you. Uh, the, the last example you gave, I mean, Sujis, we all know. What we should think about is how, uh, as you said, the more people interact, the more p maybe such instances will arise because maybe there are issues in the Turkish Cypriot community that the Greek Cypriot does not know. And... Um, it, we all need to be aware of this and to guard against people who will try to sort of demonize the North again. And in fact, we must stress that it was the desire of Sujis not to, at, at the beginning, not to create a lot of fuss uh, on the issue because his concern was that the nationalists on, of both sides uh, would, would take advantage of it. As it happened... Can we underline this? Yeah. Can we take a pause and underline this? Imagine yourself being arrested on the other side and a Greek Cypriot being arrested in the north is not like a Greek Cypriot being arrested anywhere in the world. So imagine that you are arrested and you're probably be afraid and you don't know what's going on. You're frightened. You hear many stories. Yet again, you you think that you're 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 considering ways to make sure that your arrest doesn't create further hatred, and uh, you know um, among the communities. I think I think it's a noble act. It is. It is, and the, and it shows the concern of people that are invested in this peace process and they understand how everything can be manipulated and everything can be used by either or both sides uh, in Cyprus uh, and and this, you know, through the poison of, of nationalism and extremism and we saw some... Of course, Andromahi. I mean, I have uh, friends, uh, not uh, in big numbers, but few coming and asking to me, is it true? Is he, is he really a, a, a spy? Because that's how he was portrayed in the Turkish uh, press. 
you know, they were worried because they knew that he's a decent and a friendly guy with his kebab everywhere, making friends and all that. But, you know, it shows the, the, the weakness of, of, of this, the vulnerability of this, uh, and the difficulty of the people trying to invest into cooperation and peace with, uh, on the island. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to be back. Thank you, Kemal. The first trilingual podcast station of Cyprus, Island Talks, open, diverse, free. <laughs>